0: hello everyone welcome to the multimedia man podcast network part of my bloody podcast we got an excellent show today we have a fantastic legendary actor he is uh he's one of the most passionate rappers he is part of the specials and the fuck kills uh and he's one of the horror maestros from scream mr jamie kennedy the intercontinental champion how's it going man what's up dude how are you man Doing doing well, doing well. How how are you in all these quarantine lockdown times that we're dealing with? I'm, uh, you know, I'm just
1: trying to, you know, the quarantine was one thing, and now, but uh, so far I've been hanging in there, you know. Um.
0: For sure, and I'm just glad you're uh, still creating and making good stuff like your new comedy special, Stupid Smart, on Tubi uh filmed in Huntington Beach before we get to that I want to ask you uh where did it all begin for you in film and comedy where did it all begin was it something you saw on the movies on tv you're something you'd heard on a record where did it all begin for you um
1: probably when I was about 15 you know uh I used to consume a lot of stuff, but I didn't know what it was. I loved, I loved uh, Three's Company. I loved Rodney Dangerfield. I loved Eddie Murphy. I loved Joan Rivers. I loved. You know, I just watched comedy, and I loved movies. I loved, you know, One Who Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and I was related to those things. And I was always just like, I acted like them, you know. I mimic them a lot. And I think when I was about fifteen, I was like people start talking about, you got to go to college. And I was like, college? Because before, we're just kind of like in a prison unit, right? Like, going to school is just like, you end up going to prison. You don't even know. You're like, what am I doing? You're doing your time. You know what I mean? If you don't like school, like, you don't even know what you're doing. You're just following the rules of society, right? Because you didn't even ask to go. And it's like, a lot of shit is boring and not exciting in school. And so we run to escape. And so I'd love to you know, playing ball and watching TV and stuff and movies. I think around then when I started looking at college and I was like, I do not want to go to college. And so I started reading about people and started learning about a career in entertainment. And that's how it kind of started.
0: That's awesome. And did you, uh, you, seem to have a pretty great grasp on imitations and doing voices where did that start out as well who was the first person you tried to mimic or do the voice of because you've done a, some voice work and where did that all start too
1: uh i think it happened with my mom you know my mom was like a real sophisticado in a sense where she would have these dinner parties these grunts with a bunch of old ladies and um and she had a friend who, uh, named Reginald, and he would come over here and he would talk and so Josie, oh yes, your biscuits and scones are so, so delightful. Oh, they're t- fantastical. And this guy was like this British dude that my mom knew, and he'd talk like this, and he had a wonderful accent. And-, and so at a young age, I just started imitating him, and my mom's friends would go, Oh, bring your son out here. So I would like go and they're like do that voice again and they would drink gin and I was like a little puppet you know and then my mom was like you're like an entertainer she's like you hate school so you're gonna learn to be an entertainer even though my mom didn't want me to do it she still knew it was good for me so she put me in magic because I used to take magic class I used to go to magic class she bought me a unicycle she bought me juggling so for a while I was on the, I was on the I literally was on the road to becoming a clown Like, I'm like, that's the life for me. I'm getting a clown car. I could ride a unicycle, I could juggle, I could tumble. And then I was like, there's not a lot of money in the clown business. So then I was like, boom, I gotta figure out the acting thing. But it's all a process.
0: Right. And you probably learn stuff from magic, like delivery for your comedy and uh, unicycle. Just, I guess, like balance uh, both like the stuff out, I would imagine. Right. You
1: you try stuff like, you know, my brother was like, you're going to do music because he was really good on the drums. And he had me on the bass and the bass just wasn't my thing. It was like, bam, bam, bam. But I was really into hip hop. And I was like, just the bass dude ain't sexy. Like he's not getting. You know, the girls. And so I was always David Lee Roth. That's what I always, David Lee Roth was my man. You know, Van Halen, you know. Brett Michael, Rat. You know, so I was like, that's who you want to be, Ozzy. And so I wasn't, I was singing a little bit, but I wasn't like, that's what I got to do. So I just wasn't following the music. It was a lot of work. Magic was a ton of work. Constantly practicing with the hands and the balls and the hiding of the cards and the, I was like, fuck it so I just figured out comedy was like the freest art form, and that's kind of how I started because it was just like this is like one that's easy and I can control it.
0: Nice, I like that. Um, and I, I like uh, where you filmed uh, your your comedy special, Stupid Smart. And uh, you mentioned it in the very like opening of your comedy special on Tubi it was a bowling alley slash club in Huntington Beach, right?
1: Yeah, uh,
0: um, it was. So what is, is, what is the coolest place or the strangest place that you've ever performed at? And what's the most beautiful place that you performed?
1: That's a good question. Um, I've had some weird gigs, dude. I've had some weird, well,
0: you weird... Well, said, you said in the special that you played in front of 5,000 people in London. And then, I mean, I just thought oh, that... Oh, I
1: played, I played, I played, I think one of the coolest gigs I ever did. I've had some great rooms and good sets and stuff, but one of the coolest gigs I ever did was opening up for a band called Vertical Horizon. And they were big back in, you know, the mid to late aughts. And um, it was, I
0: would say, God,
1: I'm going to say 10,000 people in Manila, Philippines. And they were the headliner, and I was billed as the secondary act. And there was an opener. So Jamie – people came to see them and Jamie Kennedy. And I have the video of that. I was in the Philippines in, like, 2007 during Christmas, and people knew my jokes, were laughing. I couldn't believe it. And it was in the same arena as the Thriller in Manila. Oh,
0: that really? Was,
1: that was a pretty – like, moment of, like, okay, I've done it. I'm doing it. Like, that was a great moment. Um, yeah. And then, like, in terms of weird gigs, like, I don't know. Like, so recently I did, like, a VFW. Like, I, this guy books all the stuff in Michigan, and it was, like, you know, literally like cardboard tables and chairs. It was, like, 18 people, but, like, they were there for the show, and it was, like, something happened, a bad storm, but we still did it.
0: And and I was do, like, do, you, <laughs> do you prefer the more intimate settings to a bigger a bigger audience? No, I'd, I'd rather have people go, <sighs> I'd rather have that. It's exciting. Feed off their
1: energy, man. Me, the more crazy, the better. But listen, this show is good because it was nice and intimate. It's about 150 people. Intimate, you can hear the laughs. And um, there's a, there's, a two, there's a lot of sets that are big on Netflix and different stuff. And this was like, I wasn't going to get that. But also, so I tried to make mine as powerful as I could with, within the confines of which I had. So that's why we did it this way.
0: Nice. Oh, I like that. Uh, and I love one of, one of the jokes in the show, and I really hope that these people have seen it, but is the Bradley Cooper, Matthew McConaughey joke. And I yeah. loved it. and I just love was that a true story, or was that just like a bit? Yeah, I mean
1: <laughs> you make lemons out, you make lemonade out of lemons, right? Like give you lemons. I mean, so it's like that was written off of something. I saw a review about something, and it said that's just Jamie Kennedy looks as if Mackie McConaughey raped Bradley Cooper. I mean, that is just a weird thing. and it's like, what does that even mean? So it's like, he just like ramshacked him and then made and and when he was done with him he left him like me i mean i know it's aggressive and some people might get offended by it but again it's a joke but i just thought what the fuck is that and then i thought well that's fucking funny like because in a way like it's a two guys you want to look like right so it's like that's like basically he was saying i'm like the haggard crazy looking version of him right so but like with mcconaughey in there and Then I thought, like, what? how how would they even do that? So I obviously made it a little more, stretched it out and made it a little bit more, you know, goofy, but it was born out of reality.
0: All right. No, I like that. And I'm a firm believer, uh, just like Carlin, George Carlin said, you can joke about anything, and I love the joke. Fuck yeah. Yeah.
1: Fuck yeah, man. Fuck yeah. But a lot of people are going to get their little butt hurt, but the world's melting, dude. World War Z is trending right now as we're doing this interview, so all bets are wrong.
0: And uh, another bit about your new comedy special: uh, the one, the one thing—or not the one thing, but one of the things—that hit very true was your line. I think our friendship is getting in the way of our sex, and that's yeah. just damn good. And I'm just wondering: what is there any story behind that? <laughs> you know, going through life, and how do you, how do you uh, tell our listeners? um how to navigate that <laughs> yeah i was based off a
1: girl man i'm not gonna drop names but like for a while like i was her little bitch boy you know what i mean like i was like she was like so hot and i was like her friend and so i was playing like the friend cards and then like forever i was like doing shit that like a boyfriend would do without like boyfriend stuff and then like you know like then i started moving into like husband territory and i'm like oh, hold on like the thing is that she, i wouldn't do that if she had a dude she didn't have a dude so i was like always like kind of hoping like oh there's something possibly there, possibly there possibly there and then to the point i was just like look i can't do that so that's how that was born again out of reality and then like the thing is is that if you you i wouldn't do that if a girl had a dude so that's why she she had that carrot over me, and then and I was wanted to eat the carrot. So my I'm chose that path. But that's uh, why I mean. the joke was one.
0: <laughs> no, no, I, I love that. I love that. Uh let's talk a little bit about uh Malibu's Most Wanted. I think that character you created, B-Rad, uh, just has so much passion for you know the hip-hop industry, and he's so into what he's doing. I'm really hoping that there is a a sequel at some point is it anything that you would want to revisit that character like today like in these times and do you think is there there anything written or talked about for that
1: uh you know i really can't say because people a lot of people ask about it um i loved making that movie that movie to me was a love letter to hip-hop and um how i love hip-hop and why i think that that's movie works so well cuz it's like a fish out of water you know what I mean it was like not a person that you would see really loving or understanding hip hop like B-Rad was people didn't really expect a guy from Malibu to think he was down and i think that's what the that's what the movie's about it's about hey you can be down no matter where you're from and and he he didn't understand why people didn't really allow him to do that but it's cuz he loved it and um you know listen b-rad you know seem to unify people so in these moments in this time maybe a little b-rad wouldn't hurt you know what i mean um you never know i know
0: i know right i know and i think like i really hope that this is that's not the last time we've seen him
1: You never know, man. That's all I can say. That's all I can say.
0: (laughs) Um, And let me talk to you about the specials. Just because I remember watching the specials. I came across it. I think I bought it at Suncoast on a blind whim uh, back in the (laughs) early 2000s. (laughs) Suncoast. Suncoast. And it instantly became one of the best comedies for me uh, forever. And it still holds up. And your uh, portrayal of a mock is just so perfect can you tell me talk a little bit about making that film with you know thomas hayden church and uh jordan ladd and james gunn and uh his brother
1: um you know i did a movie with sean gunn uh it was a movie that no one ever saw called stricken it was like a thriller but um i really enjoyed my time and it was him and Judy Greer and a bunch of other actors and, and Sean's like I got this brother man and my brother is like you know a genius and I'm like what do you, what's he got and he's like yo he's got these scripts so Sean gave me his brother's scripts and he had three scripts all completely different genres all completely amazing and so the the script that I thought would be the easiest to make was the specials, right? So at that time, I was like living in my apartment. And I'm like, yo, can I get the rights to the script? And he's like, yeah. So I did a deal. And I bought the rights to the specials for a little while to be able to try and get it made. And no one understood it. You know, it's so ahead of its time. And um, a guy named Peter Safran, um he really liked it mean that's James's manager today. And he produced, you know, Aquaman now and, and so many other movies. And he, and I knew Craig Mazin. And I said, you know, Craig, this could be like your direct de- debut. And he's like, yep. And James is like, yep. And then James was going to star in it. And, and he wrote it. And so the way to do it was we had to get a, a name. I was known. I said, I'm going to play a mock, but I wasn't enough. And then we got Rob. Rob Lowe got that movie greenlit and then got an amazing cast. Thomas Hayden Church and Paget, and Jordan and Judy and, you know, Jim Zulovic, God rest his soul, and different people. And it was just – it was ahead of his time. It's the it's total James Gunn. If you look at it, the specials it came out at the same time Mystery Man came out. So that kind of took a little of our thunder away, which really – wasn't like our movie at all. Ours is about a group of superheroes that lived in Silver Lake, which is not far from where I live. And they're like the seventh best group to get the shit jobs, which was amazingly funny. Satire. Um, The movie is so good. And if you look at Guardians of the Galaxy, there's definitely specialist DNA in it. I mean, because they're not exactly the most glamorous group of superheroes they're cool and they have amazing things happening, but they're like the also kind of like, I feel a little bit of like the more rogue group of Marvel. You know what I mean? And I think that there's definitely some special DNA in there. So I was just, it was great. I mean, you know, James is a forest as you see, and he's got a lot of movies in him. Uh, many more besides just superheroes. Like he can write horror he can write thriller, he can write drama, he can write comedy, like serious comedy. So excited to see where he goes.
0: For sure, for sure. Thanks for talking a little bit about the specials. I still adore that movie and all the characters. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, so you talked about, you, you've you done some stuff in the music uh, it, for like um, Malibu's Most Wanted, and you said you played in band, but I know music's a important piece to you uh, personally. What is your most thrilling music experience, uh, whether it be seeing a live show, playing on stage with somebody? what is uh, What is your most thrilling music experience? You ask these life questions, dude. I'm trying <laughs> to like, what? what is your tastiest
1: piece of sushi? I mean, goddamn. Um, um, I've never been a huge like concert guy because I've always been like, I want to be the guy on the stage. In terms of thrilling, well, I've got to rap in front of about two thousand like teenagers. With me and Stu Stone at the Jingle Ball in Memphis. That was pretty great for me. Um, I got to go to the Power Jam, which is about 15,000 people at Staples, and do B-Rad, the ending of Malibu's. That was a real crowd at Staples.
0: Oh, that's awesome. How did the audience react to that?
1: They loved it. But, you know, they they didn't really know B-Rad as much, but they knew me. Yeah. So it was like they were like, "What's Jamie Kane doing here?" So that was pretty cool to know that that many people know you. Um, I think those have been for me some cool stuff. I here, here's some more. I, me and Stu, um, did a show at the Roxy on Sunset, and one of our opening acts was T Pain. I have a really? video. Wow. <laughs> I know. I
0: gotta start putting this shit out, and um. Can we make a concert poster with you and T paint on it?
1: I know it will be real good shit for people to see. And then, uh, and I think probably for me as a consumer, I want to say "Rock the Bells," two thousand and seven. Justin Trugman is a producer. Did a lot of my album, and he did, he did some definitely stuff with early Slim Shady. I was on stage with. I definitely want to say Nas, for sure, and Tribe. And I was literally sitting in the wings on a speaker. Like, there was other people there, but I definitely was pretty much in their posse. I didn't bother them, but I was right there, just nodding my head, and there was, like, 10,000 people out there. And um, that was pretty amazing. And also, actually, now you just remember in my head, um, I got to play the Foo Festival. Last year, as a comedian, had our own tent, which was amazing. And uh, I think I watched the Foo Fighters for three hours. Just oh my god, that was insane! After watching Iggy Pop to an hour, these guys did three hours, did their catalog, then did Nirvana, then did Joan Jett. With some stuff, and then did another group as Nirvana. It was like it was a super power set, and Dave Grohl was just still energized, like just <laughs> like liquid nitrogen, like in his veins. And I was like, "This is a concert goer's dream." I'm getting to see Jordanesque levels of performing, and then and then I got to hang with them in their trailer, which is
0: incredible. No, that's amazing. That's awesome. I like that. I like those answers. Those are good answers. Uh, I want to bring up a little bit about Scream. I know there, there's talks about reboots and remakes and sequels and stuff like that. And I love your character in Scream. And he's kind of like the coolest character, I think, in horror movies, because uh, your character and how you portrayed him, he knows so much about horror movies what to expect i think your character would survive the zombie holocaust uh, all of it because you know so much in the film uh would you be open to going back to the scream franchise if the the opportunity arises and are are you liking what's happening with the scream stuff
1: i don't really follow it you know um I know that's happening, and I, I saw Neb and Matthew and David because we go to these festivals sometimes. Um, So, like, it's nice to reconnect with them. But uh look, man, I'm all about it. You know, if they figure out a way to bring Randy back, I'd be into it, you know what I mean? But, you know, unlike other people, well, I'm dead. I yeah. think I'm still dead. And I think, I think a lot of people do not realize it, how, how important Randy was. I think the fans – People underestimated the fervor for him. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, hell, if they could go back in a way that would make sense and satisfy Randy, why not? I mean, everything is everything, right? Everything is old as new again. So I'm
0: into it, it. It is going to these horror conventions. You know, they're so huge right now. You know, even Texas Frightmare here in Dallas, it's a big horror show. Uh, and it's super fun. You know, and I've talked with David uh, before, and I'm just curious, have you ever been to one of his wrestling matches or ever watched him wrestle?
1: Uh, no, but I know that he can do it. I mean, he's, you know, David is, is, is one of the most intense dudes you'll ever meet and one of the most loving dudes you'll ever meet. You know what I mean? Correct. He's just, he's the sweetest guy. I mean, he's got, he's such an empath, um, but there's a lot going on in his head. And I think that his commitment to wrestling is is so noble. I mean, he loves it. He's an artist. You know what I mean? If David has an idea, he wants to do it. If he wants to wrestle, he wants to wrestle. He wants to act. He wants to act. If he wants to paint, he'll figure out and he'll paint. I mean, that's what he does. And so he, I was worried when I saw that picture with him bloody. And I, he told me, he was like, yo, it was uh, part of the match. And I didn't know it was closer than he liked. And you know, he's okay, but he's, he's a tough motherfucker so if anyone can do it he can do it and i haven't been to his matches but he's not going into the glamour wrestle he's going in like backyard yeah you know what i mean style. yeah for sure so he's he's that is he doesn't have to do that he doesn't need to do that he wants to do it and that's super respect from that world you know it's super respect for me it's intense it's, it's crazy and he's uh He's, he's the man. I mean, David is one of the greatest human beings. He's just, he's a beautiful soul and he's, he's a pain soul and I want him to feel good in that because he's a beautiful man.
0: Yeah. He's a good dude. And I just think like, you know, part of wrestling audience plays a big factor and just like your stand up comedy or performed on stage, you must feed off the audience and cheers. And was curious. Is that, is that how you know where to go next with the audience reactions?
1: Yeah, you're doing your thing, dude. You know what you're going to talk about, so you're working it out. But, yeah, if they're going on something and they're really digging what you're saying, then you can try to expand it for sure. I mean, yeah, you feed off that shit. That's exciting. So I'm sure getting hit with the ladder and the audience going crazy, that's a similar type of feel. When you hit a guitar riff, it's all the same. It's it's entertainment. Wrestling is – you feel those effects.
0: For sure. And all right, my last question for you, Jamie. Um, you're this big purveyor of motion pictures and cinema uh, for the last few decades. Um, are there any certain scenes in movies that always stick with you and inspire you? Like you wake up or you're thinking like, fuck, I love that scene so much. Whether it be, you know, when Spud goes in for the job interview and fucks it up in train spotting or that asshole joke in Spaceballs. Is there any certain scenes that, you're, that you love from movies?
1: Again, dude, these questions are like making me work here. (laughs) Um, I'm in Cuckoo's Nest when he's, when Jack Nicholson has his lobotomy, and he's like, "Eh," and he fooled everybody. That's a, that's, good a one. that's a
0: Willy Wonka moment, I think, where Willy Wonka, if you think he's on a cane and he, like, surprises everybody. I think that's a mm-hmm. great moment. Wonderful. Be-
1: because when he doesn't uh, do it at the end, it's heartbreaking. Yep. I um, um, I mean, dude, there's so many, but I just say like, the Godfather is like a moment when Marlon Brayden when was sitting there and he goes, mm. and he goes, you could be a man! Like, I always read that that just came out of nowhere in that moment. And it's just so real and raw. And it, like, shows you the power of, like, a sleeping cat. And he had a cat. And then he became this ferocious lion. I mean, there's too many to name, dude. But, like, in my generation, I'm trying to think, like, uh, Boogie Nights. when uh, When Bill Macy, it's so good. And he follows him into his wife, who's played by Nina Hartley. Real porn star who was, I think, really having sex, and we follow little Bill, and he goes back and forth, and he's back and forth, and he goes Pfft. like that. Was just such a tight, tense moment of scripted entertainment, but yet yeah, you felt it was real, and even though you knew it was scripted, it was still real. That's how good it was. So I think I don't know off the top of my hand. Those are three.
0: Those are great ones. Great ones. Jamie Kennedy, thank you so much for joining me here today. Uh, Stupid Smart on Tubi. Go check out Tubi. They have this amazing comedy special. They have movies like Ricky O, The Story of Ricky. Uh, Fantastic service.
1: Thank you, man. I appreciate it.